Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, hey, uh, we got a packed service today, so super excited, a lot to share. Uh, The only thing I want to share about kind of right now what's going on is uh, we got about four weeks of connection groups of home groups. And just to know if you're not in a group uh, yet, it's one of those things you can jump in easily uh, because of the way we're doing the format. So you're not missing anything as far as you feeling like you're behind or anything like that. So Wednesday, Thursday night options, you can sign up online or you can talk to me and we'll get you in a group. A great way midweek just to get that encouragement and get some great discussion time with other people. So just a heads up on that if you want to do that. <clears throat> and then um, we're going to have opportunities in uh, April. I believe it's the first Saturday. Um, and also we're doing, well, let's see here. In March, on a Thursday night, the week after Connection Groups ends, so I think it's late March. Uh, again, it's online. I don't have the exact date. But we're going to be feeding the homeless in Lake Elsinore. We usually like about four or five people. And it's perfect. We cook a meal, hang out, and it's usually like an hour, hour and a half. So great opportunity just to love on people, uh, to serve them. And it's through swag. And they really appreciate just any volunteers helping out, hanging out, helping them out. So that's on a Thursday night. Check it out. First Saturday in um, April, we're going to be heading back down to Mexico. We went yesterday. I'll be sharing about that in a little bit. And uh, we're actually wanting to visit both the children's orphanage and the teen orphanage. They have two. And so I'd like to take two teens because we'd like to uh, deliver Easter baskets since Easter will be a few weeks later, and then do an Easter egg hunt both with the teens and the kids. So uh, space will be somewhat uh, limited, um, and so the, uh, I would sign up. We already got some for the children, so uh, sign up for that, and uh, we'll figure out which group you want to go with, but we're, we're going to have a blast uh, with them. So just that's what's going on. Again, go online or go on the church app and, and check everything out. Jesus, um, I'm always reminded when we open up your word, that there's nothing more important in this world. Um, There's no news article. There's no situation. There's no person that is greater than your word. It's a love letter to humanity. And it's a training manual for those that trust in you. And so God, may we have the hearts to receive, the ears to hear, and the mind to understand. Jesus, I pray that Satan would be bound from trying to whisper to us during this service that we're not smart enough, that we're not forgiven enough, that we're not loved enough. God, we come to you not out of our own righteousness, but we come to you out of the righteousness that you give us. It is a gift. We are saved by grace, not by anyone's works. There is no person in here that is greater than anyone else. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We are very good at messing things up, and you are very good at fixing them. So we just recognize that today, Jesus, as we humble ourselves before you. In your name, amen. We went down uh, yesterday to the Tijuana Christian Mission. Uh, I've shared about that. They have two orphanages uh, they have uh, one in Tijuana, which is for teenagers and college students, and they have one in Rosarito, which is for, uh, you know, middle school and younger, and it's always incredible just traveling and meeting people that completely dedicate their lives 
to the Lord. In this, we all do, but in that sense, you know, like leaving family, leaving the comforts of home, leaving relationships. I think we have to recognize there's a greater sacrifice there, and I, I just love hanging around people like that. Um, so to me, missions and anything God has you do where you serve, it's the, that whole thing of you get more than you give. Uh, if you go in with the right heart and mind of realizing we're not better than them, uh, we just get to participate with them. And there's phenomenal, just so you know, godly people that books will never be written about them. There will be no movies about them. They're going to die in the darkness in these corners of the world, but they were incredible lights. But you'll hear about them in heaven. Phenomenal people that love Jesus all around the world. And I hope that inspires our church. I'm hoping to invite up the directors at some point where they can come and share at our church so we get more and more of a vision. But yesterday we had a great team. I'm going to invite up right now uh, Allie and Jeremiah. Uh, I'm going to have them just share uh, just a little bit. That was a horrible clap, by the way. I'm going to invite up Jeremiah. Yeah. Jeez, no love. Um, Andrew, can we get um, Pat's mic on? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So um, just real quick, just wanted to hear from them as far as um, just kind of what they took away from, from yesterday. Uh, it's kind of cool because we can go down and uh, we left around uh, 7.45, got back by 5. So it, it's kind of cool how much God can do in just, you know, some several hours of, uh, of being away. But a uh, very productive day. Uh, very cool. We got to uh, go down. Uh, I got to teach a little bit of self-defense. Um, and they loved it. It was very basic. But they don't care. They just want time spent. You got to remember, these are kids that were abandoned with no one saying, I want you. So that's in their mind constantly. So when you go and love on them, anything is a big deal to them. I got a call afterwards when we were done. The director saying, you don't know what you guys did. Thank you. We cooked um, nachos for him. Actually, Jeremiah was a cook. So I got in his way. He got mad at me, but it's all forgiven. So I got out of the kitchen. Jeremiah did that. We all served them. And um, yeah, so it was just a great time. So I'm gonna have Ali share first, and then Jeremiah as far as just one, you know, for people that go in the future, just what to expect or what you took away from it. Um, for those who don't know, I've worked in group homes for three years, so I kind of have um, my own perspective about it, but we all talked about it on the way back, like it's different and we know it's not random. It's the Holy Spirit is there and the love is there and that's really what gets um, kids moving forward and um, the kids and some of them were like 18, there's 23 year olds, like they are older. They don't like, oh, as soon as you're 18, you get out. Like they really love them. And there's so many ways to serve and like they want to expand. So I'm really excited to see that, like expanding to um, adults that are trying to go into college. They really do. They are with them every step of the way. Mm -hmm. yeah, great stories. Awesome. Jeremiah, what about for you? Um, so I went to both of them. I went to the young kids one and I went to the teenage one. And for the young kids one, it blew my mind on how, you know, um, well they were, you know, they took on to us, which is some random people coming in and we were able to play with them and stuff and how much, you know, even though there's a language barrier, barrier between most of us, that how much I, I was able to see God being able to work and how much enjoyment they got with us being there and spending time with them. Um, and then going with the teenage one, 
same kind of thing. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I don't really deal with teenagers. I got three little kids. <laughs> so, um, and so I thought, you know, going down there, these kids have been, you know, either in the system, in the orphanage and everything. They probably have like hard hearts about, you know, who are these people coming into our minds. Um, as most teenagers, you know, they're putting off, you know, I don't care about you or whatever, or what I would think, you know, they want to seclude themselves away from everybody else. But I thank God because we went down there and they, I saw, you know, I was, Brian was the one teaching them all this stuff. So I was able to see from um, the back standpoint and everything like that and how respectful they were and how, you know, uh, mature they were. And like I said, showing respect and engaging in the uh, things that we brought to them, being able to talk back to us, being able to know them, not treat us like, oh, yeah, there is a language barrier. You don't know mm -hmm. uh, Spanish. Uh, we don't know English or anything. They were trying and we were trying. And that just made us feel at peace um, through all of it. And I know God was being able to use us through all of that. Um, and I thank God because with everything <laughs> and through anything, you know, we did have situations and complications with travel and stuff. But I thank God because in everything, he's going to protect us and he's going to take care of us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Hey, I appreciate you guys going. That's awesome. We had a great time. Uh, if you're taking notes today, this is the one thought for today. If you're in connection groups, get ready so you, rem you remember what to share, okay? Um, God's promise is to get you through any hardship, not to avoid as many as possible. God's promise is to get you through any hardship, any hardship, self-inflicted or not. The promise, I'm going to get you through, right? There's trust and faith, but there's no promise to avoid as many as possible, which is really important because that's the opposite of the American dream. This is where we got to separate being an American from Christianity, which we, has been convoluted from the beginning of our country. I'm not dismissing the Christianity within our country, but it's been convoluted. The American dream is to avoid as much discomfort and pain as possible, right? Christianity is not. It's that if I have Christ, I can get through it. And one of the things that God does promise is there will be difficulty. There will be trials, but God is amazing at using these trials to show his glory and for our goodness. That's really important. Because many of us lacking God's glory and we lack becoming mature in our faith because we avoid the very thing that God wants to use to grow us and to reveal himself to us. The Tijuana Christian Mission, we see it today. It was started in 19, I believe, 65. We see it today. Wow, it always looks good. Always, and it was started. We're going to have to, uh, we can't get a great picture. I forgot pictures. And we also, our first time, just so you know, when you do missions, it's really cheesy to take a bunch of pictures. It almost makes them feel like you're at a zoo. And you're taking, it does. And so we're like, let's just stay on the down low. Treat them like humans rather than, you know, hey, we're going to show you at our church and how. So we'll take more pictures, but we want to develop a relationship first. So I had to pull one off the internet, but um, this is Martha Gomez, and uh, let's turn off all the lights. There we go. 
How cute is she? Hey, just so you know, she's like four and a half feet tall. She's super small. 80 years old and still going strong, leading this. 80. Those of you who are like, oh, I can't wait to retire and just go. No, no, no. There's no such thing as a retirement as a Christian. Keep going. You're still good. You can still move. 80 years old, still leads it. Okay, lights back on. That's Martha. Martha started it with Sergio within those 30, first 30 years until 1996, though. Um, she'd go through a divorce. Uh, Sergio would struggle in his faith. It's not easy starting a ministry. God lays something on your heart. Doesn't mean, oh, he's laid on my heart. Everything's going to just go smooth. What Bible verse are you using? What Bible are you reading? Look at them now. They're so successful. Over 70 kids, and they've got kids that have grown up, and now they're federal judges. They've got kids that have grown up, and now they're on their board of directors. They've got kids that have grown up now that have healthy marriages. Let me take you back to the first 30. They're starting this in the spiritual battle. The physical battle started in their marriage. The battle started where they couldn't get anyone to volunteer. Oh, another orphanage. No one to help. And they had five kids and six kids and 10 kids. And, and then for 20 years, it all stayed the same. Sometimes we think God lays something on our heart and it's just going to flourish in two years. It's just going to flourish in six months. Again, what Bible are you reading? How long were the Israelites in the desert for? Not 40 minutes, 40 years, right? God likes to slow cook things, not microwave them, unfortunately. And so the first 30 years, Martha would go through a divorce that she didn't want. Three kids, all three would wander away while she did ministry. Getting to abusive relationships. Have kids out of wedlock. Wait, I'm, I'm serving you, God. Shouldn't my marriage flourish and my kids just praise Jesus every day of their life? At one point, she had so many kids, too, the mix was not good because she had everything from five-year-olds to 25-year-olds, not healthy. You got to begin to break down the ages, not just for boundaries and safety, but just to be able to minister to them. But where's the help? Where's the churches that are praying? Where's that one person that says, that's my calling? Where's one person that just one hour away across the border has the time, the resources, the energy to help this woman. God's promise is to get her and you through any hardship, not to avoid as many as possible. Where's the money gonna come from? She has no money. She has no, she has no connections. She doesn't know any Fortune 500 people. Everything without God, you would say, you're gonna fail. You don't have the strength. You don't have the family structure. You don't have the money. But we see over and over where God's like, just trust me, not for one week, not for one year. How about 30 years of faith? And then God began to answer those prayers. All three of her kids would turn their lives around, find the Lord, and now all three are directors for this missions in healthy marriages, raising healthy kids. She's got the help that she wanted. 30 years later, Sergio then came back to the Lord, remarried, but now they're friends again, and they have breakfast a couple times a week talking about the ministry coming back together, and the relationship's been healed. 30 years later now, God provided for them, brought in a, in 1999, brought in a, a couple that had too much money, and they knew it, but they loved Jesus, and they're like, we need to be generous. So they go down there, and they're like, well, what's your needs? I'll tell you what my needs are. We need seven acres. We need to get these kids off. And they're like, 
all right, well, right now we're going to buy some property just to kind of come down here more and we'll pray about it. You know, we're not going to promise anything, but we're going to buy some property into that. And I know some of you like, you can't buy property as an American. Well, there's ways around that. So they did the Christian thing, but you know, God's grace, we're forgiven, you know, got the property, right? And they're going to go down how Christians do, right? And so uh, they go down there, uh, wife passes away. And the husband's like, I can't do this anymore. You know what? We're just going to give you the seven acres. Thank you very much. Rosarito campus. Here we go. Who could plan that? Oh, these people are going to come down. Then the wife's going to die. And then we're going to take the property. All right. You know, we don't know that. But God's like, I'm going to get you through anything. Financial, relational, spiritual. I'm going to get you through it. God would bring a, a woman from the Midwest that knew no Spanish. Yeah, that's a good pick to work in Mexico. But she had a heart. She had a heart, and so Cindy's down there. You'll meet her. Now she knows Spanish, and they respect her, and she works hard, and she mentors, and she takes care of all the dirty work, and she misses her family. And yeah, it's tough on dating. Yeah, it's tough on money. She's the most joyful person you'll ever meet, though. When you seek the Lord, he takes care of your joy, and he takes care of the difficulties in the midst of that, too. Acts chapter 14, the reason I'm talking about this today is because we're talking about the growth of the church, being on mission. We gotta realize as we're on mission for God, we're seeing all kinds of exciting things. Miracles happen, jails opening up, angels showing up. We're like, man, that's, that's when you know that you're on fire for God, when angels are showing up and the word of God just makes sense and everything's good and you're out of prison, you're free and all that. And Paul's gonna be like, slow down, Rambo. Here's the reality. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 23 this is what the apostles did. They preached the gospel in that city and won a, a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Conium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Quote, here's their encouragement. I just want to encourage you guys today. Here's my encouragement, Access Church. We must go through many hardships. Does that make you feel good? Life's going to suck. Woo! I'm sure at that point, someone were like, oh, why did I get baptized? Like, why didn't you share this before the baptism? And he goes, I, I just want to encourage you. We must go through many hardships in order to even enter the kingdom of God. If you want to be a Christian, you want to enter into the kingdom, embrace difficulty. Don't avoid it. Don't complain about it. Don't whine about it. Embrace it. What's God doing? He's in control. What's happening here? Because God actually wants to use those situations. He wants to use them. And it's actually important for our faith that if we can't get through them, it says something about our faith. If any hardship always blocks us, and then all of a sudden it's like, I can't trust God. Here's the key thing then. Your relationship with God is not about the cross, it's about circumstances. And you're not following Jesus because he's forgiving you, you're only following Jesus if he benefits you. And that's not a relationship that Jesus wants. He wants to be in a relationship where he says, listen, we're in a relationship and we're gonna walk this thing together. And you get to experience me, you get to see me, and you get to let me transform you. And what I want us to know is the greatest way God transformed you is not by you having a cup of coffee, having your jammies, 
opening your Bible, marking it in a nice, cool color, busting it out on Instagram, feeling good about, I'm, not, I'm down with that. Go for it, but don't deceive yourself thinking that you're mature in that moment. When are you mature? When you underline it, you feel good, you drink your coffee, you're all warm and cozy, and then that week, God gives you a difficulty, and you actually have to live out that Bible verse. That's when you grow. That's when God transforms you. Why is it so hard, though? I don't know if you guys ever asked that question. Like, why? Like, why is life just so hard? I know some of us, right, you're like, I'm ready to go to heaven. Like, I'm just exhausted politically, relationally, financially. Like, just take me to heaven if it's all that you say it is, right? Why is it so hard? Uh, I I just want to inform us of why it is this way and why it'll always be this way just so you know. The first thing is this, is we're in a spiritual battle. The Bible talks about this. So the reality is, is we're actually not in a physiological, it's not just that's where the the difficulty lies. There's actually unseen beings as real as you right now around the world and that Satan wants to come against you. And just so you know, when we talk about Satan coming against you, a lot of times it's like in the movies, Satan wants you to like do a lot of drugs or just get drunk all the time or sleep with the thousands of people. Like that's where Satan works. And the Bible says that you can use that, but actually he can use self-righteousness or apathy. He can actually use religion to make you feel like you're saved. And as long as you're not, then he's stoked. Satan's goal is not to destroy your life. It's to destroy your relationship with God. Very important because some of us get lulled into walking away from God and some of us, it's a little more obvious. And I don't know your weak point. I don't know your Achilles heel, but we all have it, just so you know. We all have the Achilles heel. They better watch out because that's where he's going to go. For some of us, it's external things. For some of us, it's internal. For some of us, it's destructive things. For some of us, it's our, our Achilles heel is God blesses us and then we just forget about him. Satan will use whatever he can. It could be a relationship that he brings in that you know you shouldn't be in, but let me just lull you. And so he'll pounce on your loneliness. He'll pounce on your depression. He'll pounce on the bad family that you grew up in and keep reminding you of what your dad said to you, even though those are words from Satan. All kinds of ways. But it's a spiritual battle, and we must know that. And that's important for us personally, relationally. It's important politically that even nations, there's a spiritual battle there. So don't get too angry when people that don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus. That when people who do not have the Holy Spirit in them act like people who don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Why are we surprised? Why are we angry? We want people to act like Christians who aren't Christians. That makes no sense. They need the Holy Spirit. They need Jesus. Everybody. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 reminds us of this and says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Be strong in who? Not your own strength. If you rely on your strength, Satan will be like, please do something in your own strength. Please try to stop me in your own strength. You can't. Satan is not greater than God, but he's certainly smarter and stronger than any of us by ourselves. Very, very important. There needs to be a respect for the demonic realm and for anything satanic. When I talk about satanic, I'm not talking about like witches and burning things, you know, like that. Something satanic can look really good, but it's absolutely satanic. Satanic just means that it's anti-Christ. It's anything that goes against Christ and is promoted and celebrated, that's satanic. That's it. 
So he's saying, listen, you got a really strong, bad mother, right? That's a being, that's an angel that was one of the higher ranking angels, which means pretty smart, pretty strong, who's rebelled and brought some angels with them. And now there is an unseen battle for our hearts and souls. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not yours. Put on the full armor of God. What's the full armor of God? It goes on to talk about that. But in basically the full armor of God is his truth, God's word, God's people, be in prayer. The more I lack that, the weaker the armor. Well, I read my Bible once a week, but I don't meet with any Christians. I don't really pray around the week. You have a little bit of armor, but it can be pierced. Well, I meet with Christians, but I don't read my Bible on my own. I, churches, I kind of hit and miss. And then prayers, that your armor's with the strong of the armor. You put all those components on there. So he says, put on the full, not half armor. I got a helmet on, but the rest of my body, I'm just wearing a t-shirt and some shorts. Why are those arrows hitting me? Because you have a helmet on, dummy. You got to put the full armor on. That's a good visual. Some of us are spiritually. We're walking around with helmets and a t-shirt like this. We're like, ah, why is Satan? Whoa, how is he? He's like, what an idiot. You got your helmet on, but the rest of your body's weak. Put on the full armor, not half armor of God, so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Why is life so hard? First of all, you're in a battle, but second of all, some of us aren't fully armored. And so you will struggle the rest of your lives. And there won't be a sermon I can give. There won't be enough counseling we can do until you put on the full armor of prayer, God's truth. And don't just read God's truth, believe it. Get around God's people. And I'm not using this connection group. It's like, you better be in a connection group. No, no. If you can't be in a connection group, find two Christians and meet for coffee. Go online for 30 minutes. Because if I'm in a battle, I will do whatever it takes to not get killed. Yet some of us are willing to die on the battlefield. And we wonder why, God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here, but you won't put on the armor I've given you. So we're in a spiritual battle. And he goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So don't make it political. Don't make it educational. Don't make it just relational. It's not just that. There's spiritual forces there. So remember that. He goes, our struggle is not against, but against the rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, temptation, when Satan tries to test you, and if he did it to Jesus, he'll do it to you. And by the way, do you remember when he did it to Jesus, when Jesus tried to tempt, or Satan tried to tempt Jesus? Do you remember when that happened? Where was Jesus? The desert. When things are good, he'll leave you alone. He's going to wait for that moment of bitterness where someone hurts you, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of bitterness. like, oh, perfect. He's going to wait till after you're on fire for God, and then all of a sudden you're feeling a little bit this, and you're feeling... So just watch out. He looks for weakness, not when you're strong. Therefore, put on the form of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it will come, trials will come, Satan will try to attack you. Okay, cool. You may be able to stand your ground. So we got spiritual battles. That's why when Paul uh, talks about that, hey, we must go through many hardships, there'll be spiritual battle hardships. The second one, though, is we just live in a fallen world. We and other people are broken. Like that truth alone should help us not be so surprised when we go to work for someone, they're horrible bosses. Why we get into a marriage and we said the vows, but then 10 years in, we're like, this is rough. Yeah, two fallen, broken, selfish people getting married and trying to work. Yeah, that's, that's a recipe for some disaster there, right? That's where we need Jesus, right? But it's, we live in a fallen world. So when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, the consequences is this whole world and the people in it 
We're perpetually broken until we get to heaven. And so there's going to be a lot of issues here. But this is what Jesus says in, in 1 John 4, 4. Uh, John writes this, You dear, dear children are from God and have overcome them. He's talking about evil people, right? We live in a fallen world to be some evil people. He's like, you've overcome them. How? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You're not greater than evil people, but Jesus who's in you is greater than them. So when I have evil at work, when I have evil in my family, or when I have evil in my community, or I have evil maybe even things in church that aren't healthy, we can allow Satan to kind of come in and maybe be divisive in a church, right? We can overcome it if we have Christ-like behavior coming out of us rather than I'm going to respond out of my flesh. So he can overcome situations within this world. John 16, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. How do you have peace? In Jesus. He says, in this world you will have troubles. I know some of you marked it out and said may have troubles, but no, 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 that's not true. You will have troubles. Some of you don't like that. You're like, no, I might. No, you will, but you don't have to be scared. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Just so you know, there's nothing in this world politically, financially, racially, anything that Jesus can't overcome. That's why I believe when we sing the song or that old song that says Jesus is the answer for the world today, it's really true. And that's why as a Christian, I cannot get shaken when I watch the news because I have the answer, Jesus. He really is. When you're forgiven, when you're loved, when you realize he created you and that he's with you and wants to be in you and he wants to guide you and he has a plan for you, not just for this life, but the next life, that changes re uh, racial reconciliation. That changes, um, you know, um, just financial situations where people are desperate. Why? Because if I have money, I can't wait to be generous. But when Jesus isn't in me, I want to hoard. And then also we're not taking care of people that Jesus says, I want you to take care of them. So we live in a fallen world, which means bad things are going to happen because people are bad. We're in a spiritual battle. But last one that we don't think about, like why is hardship so hard for us to go through? The last one is this, is we're in training from God. Some of our hardships are actually gifts from God in order to train you. He can't change you and train you if you don't go through hardships. That's the only way. And isn't that true in life? Like, think about your life. If, if you've achieved something physically, educationally, or in a job, did you have to go through some hardships, right? If you want to become a doctor, guess what? You have about 45 years of school and $500,000 of debt, right? right? There's some hardship there. But the end is worth the journey, right? Because how it changes you and trains you and you're ready then for the day when you got to do surgery or you got to take care of that person. Don't avoid schooling if you want to be a doctor. That's not going to be a good mix. You're going to mess up someone, right? And Jesus is the same way. He's like, if I'm going to have you minister properly, I've got to get you through some training. And we do real world training. Jesus isn't into classroom, right? Didactic kind of just let's talk about it and learn. He's like, he's a real world God. <laughs> You want to learn this? That's why some of us are afraid to pay for pay, uh, pray for patience, right? Some of us have learned, ooh, don't pray for patience because God's like, oh, I'll answer that prayer in the next two weeks, right? Your, your patience is tested. But that's how he trains you. Hebrews talks about this, chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 7 and 8. 
He says, endure hardship as a what? As a discipline. Endure it. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now, I know some of you grew up a little bit spoiled. That wasn't good though, all right? He's saying a good parent actually disciplines. And for some of us that are like, no, love will raise my child. No, love will spoil your child. Discipline in love will train them. What children is not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters of all. A big statement. And we're praying to avoid the very thing that legitimizes who we are in Christ. God is with you. God is in you. There is no hardship where he abandons you. Be excited about how he wants to change you and grow you. And he says he actually loves you through that discipline. So some of us are praying, God, get me out of this hardship. And he goes, it's from me. Some of you are like, oh, God, get Satan away. It's like, that's not Satan, that's me. We just got to recognize that. Sometimes the why is, it's God bringing it and saying, ah, I got tra- to change that. You're way too arrogant right now. I've got to humble you. You're way too arrogant. Oh my gosh, this selfishness. I'm not going to be able to bless you because everything I give, you just hoard. And he wants to bless you. So what does he do? He teaches you humility and generosity. And it's painful. But the end product is you become a more joyful, generous person. That anger, yeah. The woman I want to bring to you, I can't bring right now. This is so hardship and, and yeah. But if I can change you, I can bless you with an amazing marriage and some kids that I want you to raise, but I want you to be responsible rather than irresponsible with them because they're actually mine, not yours. How does he do that? Hardship. Don't avoid it. Some of you get five days in and you back out and you wonder why 20 years later you're the same Christian you were 20 years ago. I see that in the church. People that have been Christians for 20 years, but they're the very same person I knew 20 years ago. How cool and exciting to be part of a church where none of us are the same next year. We're more loving, we're more forgiving, we're more generous, we're more honest. And then five years later, what kind of a church can we be if all of a sudden all of us are different in five years, more like Christ? And God wants to do it. The guys, it's going to be difficult because he's got to really transform you through discipline. Verse 11, let's jump to that. He says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. God says, I know, I know it's hard. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Righteousness and peace when you've been trained by difficulty and hardship. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Basically says, toughen up, Rambo. Let's go. Come on. Sometimes that's Christianity. I know we want to have empathy, but I feel like we lose it sometimes where God's like, no more empathy. Toughen up. Put on the big boy pants. Yes, life is hard, but there's nothing you cannot overcome with me and when I'm in you. So sometimes we over-empathize and we stay stuck in the mud. And God's like, get out of that rut. Let's go. I'm with you. It's a mindset. Satan cannot defeat him. 
The world cannot defeat him. So strengthen your feeble and weak knees. I'm going to get up and go to that connection group. I'm going to get up and read my Bible. I'm going to pray during lunch. I'm going to forgive that person I don't want to forgive. I'm going to allow God to train me. It's tough to forgive someone I just don't like. And it's tough to love someone that's mean to me. And it's tough to open up my Bible when I just don't feel like it. And it's tough to show up to connection group when I don't like that one person. They bother me. Yes, I understand all that. Toughen up. Because God wants to do something really cool if you endure his discipline and his hardships. Adversity is not only a tester of your faith, but it's the greatest way to mature your faith. I've been doing this for 30 years. There's no other way. I hate to tell you guys. (laughs) I wish there was an easier way. But the easy path is the American path. The hard path is the path of Christ. Again, Jesus walked that path. Did Jesus have an easy life? He's our model. Did Jesus come in like everything's good and the money was flowing and everything happened and nobody was against? Like, guys, guess what? We follow a Christ that lived a really difficult life, but he thought that it was worth it to go to the cross and it was worth it for how God would exalt him if he humbled himself. Why did he do that as an example to us? And if the Duke could be abandoned, hungry, Satan come against him, people nail him to a cross, and he can rise again and say, it's worth it? You can too. That's why the Bible says he empathizes with us. He empathizes with you, but not to say like, oh, just stay where you're at, it's okay, but to say, no, 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 I understand, but get up like I did, trust me. And God will lift you higher and bless you more than you can ever imagine. But you got to endure. Adversity is not only a test of our faith as far as are you even a Christian when the rubber meets the road, but it's the greatest way to mature our faith. I'm not saying we need to go and look for trouble. Some of you are getting pumped up right now. You're like, yeah, let's bring it on. I want to suffer this. I'm not saying, come on. But we're also not going to run away from it and avoid it and say, woe is me and I'm the only one. You're not the only one. I'm the only one who's ever been dumped. You're not the only one. I'm the only one who's ever had this this autoimmune issue or this mental issue. No, you're not. I'm the only one who had bad parents. No, you're not. I'm not saying that to dismiss you. I'm just saying, no, you're not. If you get to know each other here, you're going to realize, oh, you're messed up like me. Oh, you have way bigger issues than me. And there's beauty in that community because it's Christ that saves every single one of us. So you're not alone and you're not the only one. Get rid of that. That's a lie from Satan. James 1 says this, 2 through 4, and the worship team is going to come up, and I just want us to bathe in this. I pray that God strengthens you during worship, like literally just strengthens your resolve to say, okay. And then as you take communion, you remember that's the greatest suffering of all. So Jesus can identify with you. He's with you. He's not abandoning you, right? He loves you, even if it's hard. He loves you because he's doing something in you. Worshiping, go and come on up as I read James chapter 1. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops or produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Let God finish the work. Don't bail out in the middle of adversity. Don't bail out in the tough relationship. Don't bail out and do something and be unfaithful to God 
because you're like, he can't do it. I've got to do it on my own. Don't, don't do that. Don't bail out on that relationship. Don't bail out on the, being generous. Don't bail out on those things because perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jesus reminds us, he says, listen, I just got to let you guys know the wide path in Matthew, the wide path leads to hell, leads to a bad place. And by wide path, it means everyone travels it and it's nice and easy road. When there was wide paths back in the Old Te- or New Testament times, those were easy roads. He said, but the narrow path leads to a narrow gate. But that's where Jesus is. And narrow paths are rocky. They're scary. You look down, there's a huge cliff, but he goes, I got you. Keep your eyes on me, not on the cliff, not on the rocks. So Jesus, Lord, I pray as a church that we would be a tough and not bitter tough, not angry tough. Our hearts wouldn't be tough. Our skin would be tough, but our hearts would be soft. God, I pray there would be a church that when adversity comes, we pray. When adversity comes, we seek you. I pray that, Lord, that we'd stay faithful so that we can let the work that you're doing continue in us. So, God, we worship you now. May these songs give us strong hearts and minds. May communion remind us that you walk with us through any adversity. You never bail on us because you know how tough it is to be human, to have Satan trying to attack you, to have your own sin issues, to have people around you that always aren't for you. And then how tough it is to even be disciplined by the Father. It's, it's hard. So we thank you, Jesus, that you sympathize with us, but you also encourage us that if we humble ourselves, you will lift us up. We worship you now, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go toaccesschurch.com. 